0: To another episode of the No Ratings Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, welcome. And if you're watching our episodes in full on YouTube, welcome to you as well. Now, as you guys know, Captain Rambo is still on an international break of his own. But myself, Daniel Khan, taking you along with some of social medias, some of Twitter's, some of the world's greatest football minds as we discuss what's happened in the last week of football. Now, listen, before we get into it, don't forget to subscribe and follow at No Ratings Pod on YouTube, Spotify, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you, you consume our content, make sure you follow and subscribe and keep in touch with the conversation. Joining me is a heavyweight lineup. Before I was going into this, I was told the lineup was crazy and I didn't find out until they all one by one entered in the chat. But when you're talking about heavyweight trios, it doesn't get bigger than this. We've got Lears, <laughs> we've got Umir, and we've got Trajista. How are we doing, boys? This Great. guy
1: introduced us like the Avengers, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> one by one. I was saying,
0: like
2: this is this is big pressure right now. Yeah. The great, the great football man swing is kind of crazy. Like, I don't really know like, about <laughs> that.
3: Yo, yo, yo. got like, one. one. I can't speak
2: for me You got two of the mans. I'm just here for like, enter, shock value, entertainment. I, I don't know about this great fo- <laughs> this fo- football man swing. That's crazy. to put on me. They,
3: they, they're calling you just me, a tactical. But, yeah, some people tell you you casual,
2: bro. I got, I got, I got the tactical allegations like last week, and I was like, me. <laughs> Four That's people, like, me, me
1: like. When those no, hit listen, you, that's guys- what the funniest is, bro. Someone hit me on
0: that. I was like, bro, I just troll on football. Bro, I just <laughs> that's, troll on football. It, that's it. Well, listen, listen, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fine line between fact and comedy. And listen, we, we've just got to tread that line. You guys decide which side of the line you guys are on. But listen, we're here from the No Ratings pod, and we're going to start off with an icebreaker. I'm going to give you guys a special round of Start, Bench, Bin. Now, listen, before I was asked by some of the guests, what are, can, you, can you let us know, what we're going to be discussing in the icebreaker. So this is the actual first time that our guests are finding out what the start bench bin lineup is going to be because we want to get their instant reactions and we want to get their organic reactions. They want to get, um, get so a I'm going to go for it, guys. Yeah, exactly. They
2: just, want to get they just want to get us cut. I'm, so I'm familiar it's, with your game. You
0: fool me, I'm familiar
3: with
0: your game, bro. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> start bench bin, the names are Meza, Ozil, Cesc Fabregas, David,
3: silver oh come on man oh. come on man thanks for
0: tuning in guys <laughs>
2: it's been great it's been well, great listen it's real it's been real um'm <laughs> I'm gonna,
3: I'm
0: gonna i'm gonna open up the floor i'm gonna open up the floor to actually not 1st
3: uh, you're a bad guy though because i i know I, I know i know what you're trying to do and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna tap into it because i'm on geezer david silver start every day of the week that's my favorite player of all time I think he's the best Premier League. Actually, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to get clipped. David Silva. Speak, nah, speak honestly, your truth, King. Like, speak your truth. I think for what David Silva's done over the 10 or so years that he played for Man City, for me, I think he's the best Premier League midfielder. So I'd put him first. Then after that, I'm thinking between Ozil and Fabregas... I don't mind putting Sorry, either just of them wary, on the bench. I'm just
0: wary of letting you get, I'm just wary of letting you get away with something. So when you said best Premier League midfielder, did you, w- were you supposed to say three words after that? Or were you supposed to say in history or of all time? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what was, well, was and he like, saw 1,500 quote retweets. Yeah, yeah, for real.
3: And I said, you know what, let me add some qualifiers here, make the clip about mm-hmm. one minute, 36. So it, will clip nicely. Um, <laughs> But no, no. So I'd go David Silver star, then bench. Who would I bench? I like all three of these guys, so I'd, mm, I might go. I might go Fabregas just because he's more versatile. But I think as a pure ten, like this question is a bit annoying because it's not just three tens. Like like Fabregas can play deeper. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna go Fabregas bench, and then. Yeah, hey, I don't want to sell my friend Meza Urza, but he, unfortunately, I'd put him third. Can we not put Oz on loan or something? The like, of his position.
0: Unfortunately, I did check with VAR. Loan is not an option; it has to be just, just a six,
2: Just a quick it's six months it. to be shikta, and then he can come it's home, man. Like
3: it, it's cool. <laughs> it's start bench retire.
0: He went to what's He went to, uh, to Fenerbahce. Bro, yeah. oh yeah,
3: he's <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's so, a. Uh, so Lea's, Umira's
0: gone with David Silverstar. start. Fabregas on the bench, and he's deciding to bin, A retire, nah.
3: retire. Enjoy, I Ramadan I can't bin
0: Ozil, man.
2: I can't, I can't bin Ozil, man. I can't, I can't do it. The
3: thing is, if you give me 10s if you gave me 10s tens, tens, I'd probably bench Uh Ozil and then put the other ten because I think mm. David Silva, Ozil, top two tens, like pure tens that I've seen, uh, like last what it the de- ten it depends.
1: Uh, Daniel, is this based on like prime? Is it
0: based on career? What are we going off? I don't. Uh, I don't think we need to focus on anything other than just the whole package of how you see it. If you had to choose to start one player at any point in any yeah. uh, in any of your teams, just go with that. So, I don't care Wait, about your context.
2: I, I need that. I need that cooking. That's what he said. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that's, what, that's what he said.
1: It's actually funny that Umir is here because like I remember Umir a while ago said something that actually like it sat with me and I've actually aligned the way I think a bit like Umir now. Umir said at one point, he's like, I'm not really focusing as much on longevity and uh, consistency as much as I am like peak level and feeling. And yeah, for three, degree, four years. Right now, bro, the way I'm feel the way I-, I view football right now is a lot more like that, Umir. So I- I'll give you credit for that actually. I'll say this. My favorite player as a kid, I don't know if anyone knows this, was actually Sask Fabregas. So, that that was my guy. Even growing up as a United fan, Fabregas was my favorite player. Ozil, I think, has the highest peak level of the three. David Silva, I think, probably has the best career from start to finish. But Fabregas is feeling for me, bro. F- Fabregas made, made me love football, honestly, watching that guy play.
0: So, what are we going for?
2: So good, man. Nice quality. You I what
1: think... I think David Silva is the best of the three. Like I've gone between him and Fabregas a few times. I think David Silva is the best of the three. I think I'm going to bench Fabregas and I'm going to to sell Ozil. Oh, so
3: we got, got the
0: same. No. I'm gonna get. I'm
2: gonna get. Hey, don't i i left field. I'm going left field. Um, but I'm definitely definitely agreeing with the starting Silva. Like that. That that just goes yes. without saying.
3: <laughs> Look how well, We created this. <laughs> we started this <laughs>
2: nah, um and bench now nah, you know you know me I'm, I I love my dribblers I love I love my flair players I love I love my tech man so Oza Ozil, oza has got to be on the bench for me and fair, and man. I've got to get rid of Fabregas I just love Oza, man not just not just like the comps and everything. everyone's like oh you know when you look at your highlights even some of the games like the game that sticks out for me is that Chelsea game I think it's is it sixteen seventeen or 15 no sixteen seventeen. Um, he where he, he, he spun, yeah, he spun Kante on the halfway line, and he just just that's when he still had that. He still had that PMP, he still had the pace to get away from midfielders, and he just spun the body
1: feints. Yeah. that guy had, bro. Oh my god, bro, some clips crazy. from like El Clasico crazy. Back in the day. He's sending Busquets one way, he's sending Abidal one way, bro. His body feints were crazy, yeah.
0: And, but I think, I think it's interesting that Ozil doesn't make it into any of the starting lineups because if you're talking about players that move you, uh, like. Silver, 100% you can't discredit his career, what he's achieved um, with City um, coming into the Premier League and not really being in the Premier League like for the entirety of his career, literally coming in and becoming a great like a lot of the city players did. But um, I'm wondering if 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 City had signed Ozil instead of silver, would would City have achieved as much? Would would they have achieved the same thing? maybe, to
1: be honest with you. Cause here's the thing, right? I say start sell start silva sell Ozil, but like when I really think about it, it could be completely the other way around. Like I think environment and situation and like team around you also plays a huge part in it. Like Ozil, bro, that's I think that's why I was asking you, is it prime recruit? Because I think prime. I think Ozil at his best was the best of the three. The, the guy w- w- was Showtime. Even Ozil and, and Silva, when they were in the Premier League at one point together, I would say before Pep really came in and kind of gave a second win to David Silva's career, people would have probably said Ozil over David Silva. So it, it's really tough, bro.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I've got a, a personal affection to Ozil. He's he's one of yeah, my favorite. He gave you an interview? Of, of course, time. you got a personal affection. I didn't even know. You I, I didn't even know about that.
2: <laughs> you should have been. Yeah, you you didn't you didn't ride hard enough for your boy. Then he's giving you interviews yeah, out here and. You, yeah. We're just letting man bin him like it's nothing. Cool.
0: He, uh, Ozil is not for me to ride on this occasion. Uh, this is all you guys oh, know, wait,
2: what do you mean by that? What do you mean? What do you mean by that?
0: move on swiftly. Now, at the beginning of every season, we're always talking about who's going to be the first manager to get the sack. And inevitably, five to six managers fall. And this week was no different. Not one, but two managers face the axe at their clubs. Um, after varying times in charge, Brendan Rodgers, of course, leaving Leicester. And Graham Potter being sacked by Chelsea after about 30-odd games. £60 million for 31 games. I'm in the wrong business. Lias, talk to me. How are you feeling about Potter finally being given the axe?
1: I think it was coming, to be honest with you. Bro. I think a lot of Chelsea fans were basically clinging on to one thing and one thing only about him. It was, oh, Arteta had a poor 6 to 12 months and we got to give him time because look at what happened with him. I-, I keep saying, I think Arteta is like The exception to the rule at this point bro i understand the infatuation for a long-term manager i understand the infatuation for like a project at a club especially one like chelsea where they've never really given a manager time to build something long term i get why chelsea fans want that and i get why todd bowley wanted that but i always say that like a long-term project is fine but you have to have along the way like short-term like benchmarks and short-term like goals and ambitions that you have to be hitting and the reality was what Graham Potter has been at the club since when? October around, around that time? You can't say that the style of play has really improved. You can't say that you've seen visible, like tangible progress in that amount of time. You can't really name me three players that under him have really gone up a level. Chelsea, if anything, have gotten worse. They fired Thomas Tuchel in ninth place. They sit in 11th place eight months later. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's had good moments in the Champions League where I actually think his team has played quite well. But I always said... I really liked Grandpa at Chelsea. My one question about him was personality-wise, did he have what it takes to make the leap from Brighton to Chelsea? Because that, that's not some everyday move that you make, bro. A lot of the time, most people would take a, a bridge club in between the two of them, especially for someone like him who, let's face it, I, I think he, he has an ability to kind of connect with players on a personal level, but does he have, like my guy here would say, the aura to really capture a dressing <laughs> room and really like demand the respect from players. That In fact, some of these players it's are facts. older than he is. So that was always a question mark for me. I know people were kind of, like, wanting to give him time just for the sake of, like, following a long-term project. But, yo, I think it was only going one way. I actually believed Boli would give him until next season. I thought he would give him the start of next season. But you look at the results, you look at the performances, you, you look at the fans as well, right? Chelsea fans. People keep talking about Abramovich uh, to, to Boli, so it's a new era. It's the same fans from the last takeover, bro. So these guys weren't going to just magically tr- uh, become patient overnight. This isn't a surprise for me.
0: Um, Umir, was there ever uh, was it ever a good fit? Was there any way that you saw Potter being a success at Chelsea? I th-
3: I thought when they sacked Tuchel, I was like sacking Tuchel doesn't make much sense to me. But if they were gonna get someone in, like for me, Potter did make sense. But I think I was a bit blind to like some of his flaws. Um, I think obviously tactically he's been impressive at Brighton, but even at Brighton there were like certain signs that I wasn't wary to that became evident at chelsea so sort of like the way that they play is really a little bit rigid the players are in their positions in their zones and they're not really given the license to move and rotate even within those zones i think you have positional play coaches like guardiola uh and then you have players in zones for guardiola teams but even then you have like all of the players moving around within those zones like if stones plays right back and then goes into the midfield, the midfielder will go to the wing, the winger will drop back. Like all of those players are moving around. At Chelsea it's really rigid. Like they have all of their players in their zones without any rotation. The only player that was given license to really roam around was Felix. And I think Felix is a really talented player, but he's a bit I don't know, he he was almost doing too much at times. Um and and playing uh playing for the two minute twenty comp at the end of the game. Like like I I think I with Chelsea it became a bit still. Dancing in the moonlight comp. Yo, honestly, <laughs> I, and I'll tap in for the comp. I think Felix is a nice player, but I just think as as a like like for the squad makeup it was a bit awkward. And then he also had like players like Reese James, for example, playing centre back when you needed a creative threat. I don't know. I think it was just like a bloated squad. He wasn't able to sort of put all of his ideas in order halfway through the season. And then in, in uh, the transfer window, getting all of those players in, it was almost like a, a new squad again. Um, so, I don't know. I think it was difficult for him, I think. I, if you went this far and and you'd kept him, in my head, I'm thinking, why don't you just give him summer and just see if anything changed at the start of the season? But I think they, they've acted because Nagelsmann and and the likes it's are on, on the market, the market now. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I hope he gets a nice club somewhere else.
1: Can I say one thing though, D- uh, Daniel? Before you go, Umir, you said like if I were going to fire Tuchel, the one guy I would have like I would have understood a, a higher like Grand Potter. That's what you said, right?
3: Yeah, at the time, that's what I thought.
1: For me, that made no sense at the time. Honestly, like I, people might say hindsight. At, at the time, I didn't understand that whatsoever because, in my opinion, I think Bar Pep because Pep for me is number one by a good distance. He's mm. in all-time conversations. I don't think there's a single manager on the planet. And again, this might be hindsight. That, that's better significantly than Thomas Tuchel. I think, I think of them that highly. And you look at the success that he had at Chelsea in such a short amount of time. The Champions League, it speaks for himself. Uh, an over 60% win rate over his, his two seasons at the club. Bringing them to win a penalty shootout of beating Liverpool in both cup competitions in the final. He had incredible success with that team. And people were, of course, unhappy with the, the style of play. But when you fire that kind of manager, the next kind of manager is going to be stacked up against that, and he has to do just as good, if not better. And I agree. I, I, maybe I, within four years, but short-term success that one is never going to be replicated.
3: I, yeah, I, even I, when
2: you said you made the point about um, like Pep, the the zones, you know, um, Potter having uh, like being much more rigid. I was going to say like it's 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 not that you have to be Pep, like, it's very, very difficult to, you can't really get to, to be in Pep, but I feel like he just didn't really inspire anything, like, from the fans, like, the fans literally are like the most vocal, mm. especially on Twitter, like, they, yeah. they've been, like, some guys have been potted out from like, game, like the second game he was in charge. Well, so since, like two, it was, since two got it left, they were the like,
3: school. they they already had, to, like, I think whoever would have come in, unless they were like, amazing from the beginning, they, they would have had that, uh that like, bounty on their head. I think with, yeah, I could, Potter, it, I don't know, there were times where they were performing badly or they'd lost and I don't know, it almost seemed like he, I don't know, like obviously he cared, but it almost seemed like he was a bit dismissive of the situation that they were in, um, saying, okay, they tried hard and that's all that matters. But I think at the end of the day, if he acknowledged a little bit of the fans' concerns a bit more, had the charisma to, to get them on side, it might have bought him a bit more time. I think like the pressure of uh like the fans... And and the vocal fans is what got him out of there in the end.
2: I saw that's a brief that says some of the players didn't even like. Some of the players had to search up who he was, which like That's got No, I but that's pretty. Sure that I don't know it's if like that's true. Fire. No, I don't know if that's true. But I feel like the thing is you've brought in how many players? They brought in, I think, what twelve or thirteen players.
3: I think into the whole squad was like is I think around that... like near nearish thirty. In terms of,
2: and I don't even, I don't even think like any of the the players they bought. I don't think any of them came from the. If I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but I don't think any of the players came from the same team. I don't think a lot of the players even knew each other before coming or have played with each other at any level. So it's just very, it's very difficult to get that kind of mess all aligned together when he's already not really. How
0: much, how much is Todd Bowley to blame for how this has played out in terms of the managerial appointment? in terms of the transfer strategy, in terms of the timing of it all, how much um, responsibility does Boley need to
1: take? Almost with? like 70%, right? I blame Bowley more than actually Potter or, or anyone actually at the club, in my opinion. I think giving Thomas Tuchel at the time what was like, what, the most expensive summer uh, transfer window ever, then firing him within, what, six games, then replacing him with a guy like Graham Potter, who we all knew, if he was ever going to work out, even if like this was just a blip, he's going to work out. It was going to take a long amount of time to do it. Then throwing 600 million pounds on pretty much relatively unknown or inexperienced players who are all under the age of 23, and then again expecting it to all kind of gel together all at once. I almost feel like Todd. And you look at the signings he's making, bro. There's no way that guy was signing Mudrick if Arsenal weren't interested in him, bro. I refuse to believe that Todd bully or Brighton's recruitment team let, were going to cook, sign bro. him without him Arsenal looking after him, bro. Bro, I think Todd Bowley is honestly just throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks, to be honest with you. I know he's going to hire Julian Nagelsmann too. That's another 35-year-old, pretty novice coach. I'm a
0: big fan of, but again, it's a huge risk, bro. Yeah. I
3: guess
0: guess the one thing that I would say about the Nagelsmann thing, and uh, we'll touch on this uh, a bit later, but that is a shame for Spurs because it felt like it was open for them to be able to flirt with Nagelsmann as much as they wanted. But Spurs need to go and get Rodgers, man.
2: Spurs need to to go and get Rodgers, man. Nagelsmann... Nagelsmann's well, Aaron. that cool. You, oh, that's you
0: think, that's, you that, that's that, like, flirting
1: versus harassment meme with Spurs. Nah. <laughs> you, look, For real. You, look, you look pretty <laughs> today, Cindy. Get him out of here. Get,
2: the, get that brother Nadal.
0: out of here. Do you think Nagelsmann coming in from Bayern um, will will buy him a bit more time, or give him a bit more respect to going into a Chelsea job if... If he if he does become the next, it's player. still a
2: result. It's the results business at the end of the day. I feel like it, at Chelsea more than anywhere. Like if the results aren't coming, like they, they'll show you where the door is pretty quickly. So really? I think uh, if if he doesn't again, if he doesn't kick on, doesn't get the results from, I'd say he's probably got like a... genuinely till the end of the season. I could see I could see a third second genuinely. I don't.
1: No, I don't think though that they'll hire. I think Nagelsmann will come in the summer if that. I don't think Chelsea will. will and I think that, that's rightfully so, right? I think of United last year. It would have been a disaster for me if they had brought in Ten Hag in like April or March and asked him basically with three months left, to save the season. Because let's face it, this the this, this ship is sinking if it hasn't sunk Nothing already. Say, let Nagelsmann yeah. get a summer. He Like the, the mood will kind of change wh- when he comes in. Let him bring in his own players. Let him have a preseason. I think it would be a disaster to give him these last 10 games or so.
0: Yeah, and I think timing is everything with that. I think you make an interesting point because I think that's exactly the type of uh, situation that worked against Potter when you, you sack a manager that is in such high regard with the fan base that no one really i i i I, from conversations i had with chelsea fans there were some that that wanted him gone because chelsea fans are chelsea fans um but the majority wanted him to stay and then when you bring potter in it could just be that if nagelsman comes in before the end of the season here it is almost like his credit in the bank all of a sudden drops. there's only one
1: man chelsea should be bringing in at this point in the season Give Goose hitting the call, bro? Big Whoa, Give who's hitting guy? the call, bro? What's wrong with Third this guy? What's wrong
2: with this guy? Every day, bro, we get it. You were born in the nineties. Every day, nostalgia, bro. Like <laughs> I was born in the I was born in the wrong generation, <laughs> bro. Let it go, bro. Jose, I, I, I love Jose, man. I, I I tuned into that documentary the other day as well, so I've got a lot of love for him right now, but bro. Now, nah, not not
3: in twenty twenty two. I
1: didn't say Jose, bro. I said Hitting Wait, it. I
3: heard, I heard Jose. Uh, not
1: nah, oh. Jose, bro.
3: That's I nah, bring Jose, Jose back, bro. I'm, I'm there for that.
1: I, I, I said heard Jose. It. I said, Good it Okay. He's okay. I'm not gonna lie, though. Your point is go- on
3: stands. The nostalgia. Bro, Jose- point. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> now regardless.
1: For me, Jose and Chelsea are like that toxic couple right there, bro. Like, they always argue and they always split up, but hey, <laughs> when they're together, bro, the romance is it'd be hitting,
0: bro. <laughs> it'd be because hitting, man. They're leaving together. That's all I'm hey. saying, man. <laughs> yo, yo,
2: jo- Josie. Jose will see another another man dancing, dancing behind Chelsea at the club, and, and he still takes her home at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> end of the night, even flipping <laughs> out.
3: End of the day the is crazy, bro. 5 pm. PM.
2: And five five eight, five AM, you're still you're still there, like like you know how like Neymar pulled up to, to the that wedding, just standing on the side.
1: Like, Jose, every time he I sees a manager get sacked by
0: Chelsea, he's like, I know he didn't treat you like I did. Marvin's room vibes. Marvin's room vibes. Oh man. Now listen, from from getting uh, shown the door to a, a possible sliding doors moment. Guys, we've got three managerial vacancies. Let's not forget. Conte's gone from Spurs. Chelsea, of course, without a manager. And uh, Brendan Rodgers has left Leicester as well. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Amir, um, did it have to come to an end for Rodgers eventually at Leicester?
3: Well, I think so. Just because, like, I don't know. It it doesn't seem like that fire is there anymore and it's a bit uninspired. And Leicester are too good to be down uh, where they are in, in the league at the moment. I think, like, Rodgers has done really well uh, for his, like, Leicester tenure. I think there's going to be some revisionism now just because of where they are uh, and they're sort of bottling at the bottom of the table. But, like, missing out on on Champions League places, I think on the last day of two seasons, is like, it's really harsh. But I think he's shown that with decent players, he can create a system and a team that, um, yeah, they can play football. So, like... I, I think it was important that he moved on. They they um they get a new coach in and hopefully get some points. uh I, I think he'll get he'll get a job up anyway, like a top top five, top six club probably look at, at Rogers and, and bring him in. Uh, I think someone so mentioned. So yeah, would,
0: would would Rogers be a good fit for a club like Spurs right now?
3: Yeah. I, I think so. I think it it makes some sense, but I think with how many how many um Managers are on the market, and like the pull of the Premier League and Spurs' new stadium and whatever. Like I think Spurs can look to be more ambitious than Rodgers anyway. Um, but I think if they end up with Rodgers, it's not awful. Um, and and he plays. I
0: think I think I think Rodgers is a. I think, think, think he's a good astute manager. I think I think uh, I remember Carl Anker mentioning that um, he's he's a very sensible manager in that if he sees a problem then he actively goes out of his way to find a way to fix it rather than being, he's not a stubborn manager. He doesn't stick to his principles and go, no, we're going to play this way. (laughs) I mean, he's he's open to shifting it. And I think... I I mean, think think about it, Daniel. Think Think about the job
1: that he's done at Leicester, right? I mean, I I see some people doing revisionism on it. And it kind of makes me sick, to be honest, because Brendan Rodgers, what he's done for that club, forget about the last two seasons, where obviously I believe every single manager has a shelf life at a club. You can only bring clubs to a certain extent, especially one with Leicester's resources. In the last few years, they're, they're, uh, what's their rec- recruitment has been awful. But Brendan Rodgers, bro, had this team two seasons, 95% of those seasons in the top four. Leicester, and I understand yeah. at the point that top six, Arsenal were struggling, Spurs weren't doing great, United were kind of in transition with Aldi. But to bring Leicester City to that close within the Champions League twice to win them two trophies, to be playing the kind of football that they were that they were playing. And people forget, too, before he came in, under Claude Puel, people had completely written off Jamie Vardy. People were saying the guy's career was finished. Gosh, under yeah. Brendan Rodgers, he won the Golden Boot. So let's not act now like Brendan Rodgers. I know the stigma around him. He's a bottler. He can't get the job done. But I believe, just like you, Danielle, that this is one of the best project managers in the country and with the right resources can take a team that's struggling or looking for a new identity to a certain level. I don't think he's the guy, ultimately, to win you the league. But he can take you to a certain level, and I think just like you said, a club like Spurs—that's what they're looking for right now.
2: That's what I was going to say. He's a good manager to like manage expectations. Like Spurs have kind of gone the the Conte, the Mourinho route. Like, firstly, that's not them. Like that's that's never been Spurs. It, it never will be Spurs. They need to kind of accept that their identity is you know we play nice attract. We want to play nice, attractive football. We want to blood in the youngsters as well, and. If we get a trophy along the way, yeah, that'd be nice. But that that's not like what Spurs are as a team. So I think Brendan Rodgers makes makes the most sense coming in because that's kind of what he's built at Leicester. It's what he even well with Liverpool he came close to winning the league. Obviously, didn't get it over the line. Again, that aligns with Spurs. So I think I think um, yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a good appointment.
0: Interesting. Well, there's only one way to find out, and we can, we we shall see. Now, listen, in a week that saw some big rivalries play out. our tv screens in the premier league and in the hall of fame i wanted to find out what actually makes a big football rivalry now city of course pumped liverpool 4-1 after a lively first half uh bayern of course dealt with dortmund as they always do and wenger and fergie both joined the premier league (laughs) hall of fame at the same time now i wanted to i wanted to kind of get into the heads of what actually makes a big footballing rivalry, and I wanted to start with City Liverpool first. Is that a big
1: football rivalry in the Premier League? This is not a rivalry, they always kick their ass, bro. Get the hell out of here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yo,
2: know, every rivalry, every single rivalry needs a winner. You have Ali Fraser, you have you know Barcelona, yo. every single Cook. any 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 era needs it needs a winner, otherwise, like how how a rivalry doesn't happen without a winner. Like, there's there's always gonna be, even look at Messi Ronaldo, Messi's now come come out the other side, so I think for a rivalry to to be a big rivalry or, or a great rivalry, you need to have an enemy, and you need to have a triumph, and you need to have a story. There needs to be a point, though, at which you know they're kind of at loggerheads, but there's always going to be a, a winner at some stage. And I think, well, we know and who the winner is. And now. it's been it's been like a point,
3: like multiple times. It's been literally within a point multiple times. So even if it doesn't look close in the history books, like when you actually go through it. It's been like close for like 90% of the season or 95% of the well, season. I would,
0: say, I would say that point difference is actually one of the main reasons why uh, City Liverpool could be considered a rival because both of them came together and basically took the Premier League level to a place that we'd not seen it before, where where the titles were consistently over the course of two seasons. I think it was a case of maybe three points over the course of two whole seasons that separated the two. But I wonder if there was too much respect involved. Of course, we've got Bernardo Silva who refused to give Liverpool the guard of honour. Um, we, we've had a few little slide digs here and there from managers. But overall, it seems to be quite a sensible rivalry that Bro, Liverpool are like. You know, I would completely disagree you with like, that, you Yeah, know?
3: you're good. Because... You
0: say there's bad blood?
3: I think I've very much. Amir, so, so. you I... and Sean
1: Dolfc don't count as bad blood, bro. No, <laughs> you, no, no. You you beefing with Sean on Twitter doesn't
0: count
3: as bad blood. <laughs> no, no. <Does> that... <laughs> you
0: weren't outside. You weren't outside. No, beef. No, it's like beefing your little brother. No, that was the biggest part of the rivalry, bro. <laughs>
3: That's hilarious. No, no. What I'm saying, so, dude, legitimately, like, dude, I dude. I think from the outside it might look like, oh, they're they're shaking hands, whatever. It's uh, it's just an unfeel thing. But like when you go go through it, there's been like genuine like vim between the clubs to the point where like city reduced the allocation like the wayfind allocation there's increased like police presence on match day um there's been like chants from both sides where like city have uh, chanted i think about certain events um or or liverpool fans have thought that city were alluding to certain Don't. events in their chants um and the as well throwing throwing things at the at the coach so just in general, like, I I think there's genuine like bad blood between the two clubs, even to the point of like higher ups and like people who work at the club. Um, I think obviously with Pep and Klopp is probably different. Like they have massive respect between each other. Um, but I think like fans, sure, surely clubs that's as a general... Defining
0: factor in general. But sh- I agree. Surely, that's a, surely that's a defining factor in what leads to a rivalry, be- going to the next level where you've got the two managers who. Who hate each other and who who well, so, get so would the you best say
2: best Mourinho way. and Wenger is a bigger rivalry than than Fergie and Wenger then just because Wait, Mourinho and Wenger there's no. there's more bad blood there I don't no, think but would. you
1: hold on you forget here's the thing here's the yeah. thing you 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 guys forget that. It's only towards the end when when Wenger was basically irrelevant in the league in terms of challenging that Fergie and Wenger became buddy buddy bro. And that, Wenger, uh, Ferguson started talking in press conferences like, "Yeah, you guys got to give him respect. Like he's always welcome at mine." But at the <laughs> heat of that rivalry, bro, these guys hated each other, bro. Fergie wouldn't even mention this guy. He wouldn't even want to hear this guy's name in press conferences. But I look at that and I look at the, the sorry, I look at the Wenger Fergie rivalry, and of course, I look at the Pep Mourinho rivalry. Which for me is the biggest sporting rivalry in in the last 20 years. Not just them, like El Clasico, those two, Ronaldo and Messi. I believe that to make a rivalry, of course, there's a sporting side of it. And I think Liverpool and City, the last few seasons, have probably contested some of the highest quality football matches that this country has ever seen. I don't think that's debatable. But I think to have a rivalry, it's more so than than what Kieran is saying about having a a, a triumph and and a loser. I think you have to have a storyline. You have to have animosity. You have to have something past what happens on the pitch. And I, I think of those two ones. Like, there was genuine bad blood every single time the two teams and the two managers squared off against each other. Obviously, you remember Mourinho poking Tito's eye, the, the press conferences. It was basically war before you even stepped onto the pitch. Uh, I know, and also, Fergie, you have Fabregas was... throwing a pizza and, and, yeah, and, in and and uh, Fergie's face. But it was crazy. Like, in I know, this, ultra, I see two ultra, teams ultra, that are extremely, ultra. extremely good. But yeah, Klopp and Pep, bro, they're dapping each other up after the game, bro. You got yeah. Pep speaking to Van Dyke after the game. I don't think that's a real rivalry. I think it's too I feel great. like the
2: Mourinho story, though, the Mourinho story is just is so unique. Like you know, it being the translator, being the one who was never sure. thought to be good enough at yeah. Barcelona, like that—that's something. It's just so rare that that even happens. So I, I, I get what you're saying. But it's just so rare that, that that even happens to to add that kind of extra layer to a rivalry. But that you know, that whole Mourinho, story is just it's
0: mental. Mourinho, Jose, Jose mental. Mourinho is the. Jose Mourinho is the Maleficent of, of football, like it, 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 the big, bad, ugly, dark demon but they're, even they're especially the, for Barcelona like religion. Religion. Yeah, they you know, up to Barcelona region. like
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> it's different I,
0: I think, I th- I think on, on the subject of rivalry as well, Liz, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the level of football that Man City and Liverpool produced and of course they were fighting for for the title, um, I went to the Etihad I think it was last season and I, that, that's the highest level of football I've ever seen live and I actually remember saying to my brother that if this is the level you need to get to to win the league, Arsenal, we're never winning the league. I was, when I was looking at that, I was like, if this is now the level, then we're.
2: Wrong here. side of history.
0: We're, we're, we're here. So, um, but what I would say is beyond the pitch, it matters. You look at rivalries like Liverpool Chelsea. Liverpool Chelsea was fueled by much more than a ghost goal and, and football. It was actually fueled by politics. Liverpool was seen as the socialist club, Labour. Uh, left wing chelsea were seen as the 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 rich posh tories and that that boiled over as well red versus blue so i don't actually know if liverpool and city um ever enters the the kind of ether of of top nah, rivals. it's got to be man it's got to be for any anything other than sporting brilliance because what what i've seen on that pitch there the the players from start to finish has been exceptional but not enough bad blood in it for me
3: I don't know if you. I, I think if you ask if you ask City and Liverpool fans and people, they will say. I don't know. Like I, I want United to lose all the time. I, I think they're our biggest rivals. But like, in the last few seasons, I've had a greater animosity towards Liverpool at times than than United. An animosity or
0: animosity or an interest in them losing because you know that no, if honestly lose, then, a yeah. bit of yeah. both
3: i i think I, I think if you ask city fans they'll say animosity and just sporting like you want them to do poor from a sporting perspective but i think just genuine animosity between them i think obviously now uh it's at the point where i'm like forty eight ain't real so i'm not bothered but like um i think I mean, certainly I mean, people this, will align with this... that
0: um, I'm supposed to be impartial as the host, but this stinks of one thing. This okay. stinks of you trying to get City to the big boy table of, of mm. wild rivals. Mm. <laughs> nice. no, you know not, what? It's not I,
3: even. I, I would prefer, not even. I'd prefer if we had no rivals yeah, and we just panned, and we just like five peated.
2: Yeah, Bundes, listen, we need to make the Premier League. Yeah, pre-
3: it, like, I, I'd be so happy with if that. If we were moving uh, like we i no prefer it low key, like. Um, but I think Wait, Liverpool so deserved their props from, and it's been we, a bit... Have
0: we gone from it's a great rivalry to we don't need the rivalry? Uh, no, that's not... Oh, look how you're just trying to spin hey. everything. Hey. That's that's i just oh, repeated that's, what you said, but... That, that's, uh, not, that's, but not,
2: that's, not, that's not what, what happened. It's, it's a completely <laughs> different line. It's a different line of logic. You're just <laughs> trying to <laughs> Trying to push an agenda, man. Well,
0: right, listen, listen <laughs> so moving on from the teams to possibly... Um, you say the uh, the Pep Mourinho thing is one of the greatest sporting rivalries. Um, I'd like to put Fergie and Wenger on the table for you guys. Um, Kick them off, Leos. Li- li- as a as a All right, the old heads thing, are speaking no,
1: now, bro. Let the old heads
0: speak. All right, We're not. you've got their books just behind you there. You've got Fergie conveniently placed above Wenger. Um, his essay about this rivalry and and why it stands alone as. <laughs> Um, possibly one of one of football's greatest stories to talk about. Right, Umira, you're a dickhead,
2: bro. <laughs> hey, they didn't catch. I know how's that they the catch... <laughs> didn't catch it. Uh, I didn't
1: catch
2: it, you I think <laughs> it's a it's a it's a really good book. Um, they're, they're just yeah. two great, too, just two great managers, man. Like, what, what's your favorite we're, part? We're like, uh, back and forth. Like
0: Michael
1: <laughs> yeah. Ball.
0: LeBron Lebron leads. LeBron-
1: LeBron- LeBron- <laughs> yeah, Yo. Oh. You you talk about the books, obviously. Fergie's placed above Wenger kind of just to symbolize the dominance uh, over, over 20 plus years. You know? Level <laughs> <was a> Z.
3: <laughs>
1: nah, but now nah, all jokes aside, right? I'm happy that they kind of went in at the same time because I think these guys kind of paved the way for what we see in the Premier League now. Like whether you think Pep and, and Klopp now is the ultimate rivalry in Premier League history, this was the original one. This is the OG. Arsenal and United wenger and fergie and i think what's beautiful beautiful about them too is the contrasting styles in which they did it right with with Fergie, you have almost like an old school british team like fast in your face aggressive counter-attacking in fact the core was mostly built off british players and with wenger you have it was really the first time we saw like a european team like the way even the way they play it's like a european style and the players i think he was the first uh, coach ever to actually put out a fully um international team and the way they played was so beautiful. In fact, I always said, right, I grew up kind of like, the, started watching football in the late 2000s and Arsenal were always a team I actually kind of liked watching because they had all my favorite players and they never won anything. But obviously these two <laughs> are, are these the two godfathers of the Premier League. I think it's good that they they went in at the same time and massive respect to both of them.
0: And I think I think the thing is as well, when we talk about, their, their dislike for one another or their, their kind of obsession with trying to be above one another, that was also symbolised by their two captains as well. Roy Keane versus Vieira. Mm, yeah. um, it's just, if ever they're in the same room or if ever they're somehow in the same stadium, there's always something in your mind that I want to tune in just in case they happen to cross paths. I want to see what happens. and mm. I think it was an incredible one. Liz, if you had to pick out one moment from the uh, uh, Fergie-Wenger rivalry, um, that that summarizes it, or that that encapsulates it the most. What what would it be? That encapsulated
1: the most is difficult. I think my favorite one was when Wenger got sent to the stands, and he's out here going like this in front of all the <laughs> I fans. I think know. that one is. <laughs> yeah, he did the Mbappe before Mbappe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. There- there, there's so many really great ones. Obviously, you got Arsenal winning the, the league at Old Trafford. You got United pamming them 8-2, 6-1. There's obviously been some... some, some all time, I mean, Van Nistelrooy the, the missing the penalty. The, the tunnel incident
3: people... as well. Yeah, the Martin
1: Keown oh, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, w- then we ended their 49-game unbeaten run at Old Trafford. Like, obviously, there's some that great game was
3: That there. game was a disgrace by the way.
1: But here's the thing, right? That, that, that's the thing with these two teams, right? Every single game at the peak, right? Of course, people almost want to rewrite it now that it was never a rivalry because uh marie uh what is it fergie ended with 13 and wenger only had three but think of like the five six year period where actually it was like four to three i think in premier league titles fergus only kind of pulled away near the end every yeah. single game was bad blood every single game they were going to award the, the, the football although some people might not want to believe it now because what they're watching now it was high quality games bro so
0: legends bro. and I, I think i think just to touch on that as well a it, the The respect there seems to be a respect between Arsenal and United that has slowly developed since, so i I still as an Arsenal fan, when I open the fixtures calendar, the North London Derby is the second game I look for. The first game I always look for as an Arsenal fan is when are we playing United at home? when are we playing them away? That's always the best for me, and also beating United for me. Genuinely means more than beating Spurs. There's just something in that, and I think. Oh, I, it's I cool wish when could, they do it. Was, it's, it's cool, cool when I they done. do it. Oh. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I wish I could say the same, but you guys are second after our Liverpool, bro. Liverpool, are the first team I look for. So. Yeah, no, sure, sure, but I think, I think it, 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 just, it just shows, and there's a level of. It's,
3: it's cool when, when they do
0: it. Doing week
2: I'm week. telling you. So, Tell um, you. so it's like, crazy. What,
0: a great hmm. football rivalry, and maybe, maybe there's life in the Liverpool City one, um, still. Maybe the the. No nah, not City
3: still. Rivalry. It's finished now. It's finished. <laughs> it's done.
0: It's, it's over. Finito. It's it ris- finito. It, it ris- well, I, I think. Right,
3: so I think unless Liverpool get goal. a new a new coach, I, I, or get a really good recruitment team like they they what, have had. shit. Well, the thing is, I I no, think. But I think me how? <laughs> Wait, well, Norbert. <laughs> wait I don't know wait I don't sign this I don't know what you're doing brother I was going to talk tactics
0: <laughs> go for it go for it my,
3: my, my, my angle is simply that like Klopp's an incredible manager his man management is seconding on his defensive action so sort of the press that he coaches um, like the high energy side that he has all of those things align with that excellent recruitment that they had, which I think won't happen again. I think it was like lightning in a bottle. The The fact that you'll get Mane, Firmino, Salah, uh, this academy full-back, uh, Robertson for like 8 million, um, Henderson fitting in as a correct profile uh, within the midfield. Uh, who else you get? Wijnaldum, Van Dijk, like everything Van fit Disney. perfectly. <laughs> so literally everything fit perfectly. So I think now for Liverpool to give Klopp a team that works that well in this inflated market, you need guys who are going to recruit with that astuteness, which I just don't think will happen again. Um Michael Edwards, you are a good. Michael dude. Edwards, you know, uh, give him his roses. Because um, I think, I think like he does, he... Liverpool now are looking to target and and they did last year as well. Look, Looking to the target these hundred million pound players, these 120 million, like these dudes, two um Nunes, guys like that. But I think, if you need to go through a rebuild like Liverpool do need to, and you need guys who are going to play high energy whilst being technical, whilst so sort of winning the second ball, playing in the the traditional club way, I think you need to sign three midfielders rather than signing one in Jude. Um, and you need to sign like 40, 30, 40 million pound players who are the right profile and they're just really clever signings. And I think Liverpool probably won't be able to do that now, um, given the market and given their recruitment, sort of team so the only way i think liverpool get back to where they were is by getting a coach who's a bit more adaptable um and and yeah i think they're the two two avenues i see i might be wrong and and clock might turn it around next season but I, personally i just don't see it like that
2: i think they need to lock out in the academy as well like obviously um you had trent coming through I, but I can't think of the last before Trent. The last play really, really made made an impact. I feel like every Elliot every team was kind there. of rebuilt.
3: That's that's who
2: the, I, I, don't, uh, I don't I don't I don't uh nah, I don't slant I don't understand
1: before
2: Trent I it feel was like Flanagan the, again, bro Flanagan oh with, with Cafu Cafu saying oh oh he remind he reminds me of myself yo that's another thing Cafu used to say any young any young right back who had like two or three good games he'd be like Man, that that guy, man, he's just lightning. like me. Like, bet he got the <laughs> Bellerin McAfoo. one as well. Lukaku, yeah, for for real. <laughs> that's, my <favorite>. <laughs> that, that, that's my favorite player. That's my favorite
0: player. Not real though. Uh, like amazing.
2: I've seen, I've seen, bro. I think, I think he even gave uh, Michael Richards a shout. No, it was Carlos Alberto that that gave Michael Richards that shout, and I was like, his ass was not watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: man! Moving, that. On,
0: moving on swiftly, I guess. I guess we're, there's only uh, one way to find out whether this rivalry uh, stands the test of time. But moving on to other pressing matters, uh, we're moving on to a section of this or that. I want to put a scenario forward to for our panelists, and I want to hear how much vim they've got behind what they say, guys. I'm going to make a little first statement here, and we're going to start with Tragista and um you can let me know your thoughts and then the other panelists you go away don't let them get away with don't let him get away with anything that you don't agree with of course the statement is united can only sign one kane or victor osimhen
2: osimhen osimhen straight away i mean I'd, I'd like united to sign kane because i'd like i'd like for people to finally see what would happen when kane uh goes to a big team but you know, uh, for for actually, like, success on the pitch. Yeah, awesome, man.
0: Lias, what have you got for me?
1: I go back and forth a lot on this, to be honest. I know where Kieran stands on Kane, so I, I understand where this is coming from. It's coming from a place of hate. Hatred. <laughs> bad <laughs> bad mind.
3: <laughs> but, but, Yo, love it.
1: I, I love Ossie, man. I think I have a tweet from, like, 2020 saying, this is our Howland replacement in 2024. Or <laughs> our Howland alternative, excuse me. So, you know, all these LeBron for allegations. Really? I might have been honest on them, to be honest with you. But, um... <laughs> I I'm gonna. am gonna look
2: for. I'm gonna look for this tweet. I hope you know this. I'm gonna, yeah, go I'm gonna ahead, start bro. looking. i look for you. this right now.
1: I, 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 re, I retweeted every single time Ossiman scores a goal. <laughs> oh, I hear that. I,
3: that's I have a similar yo, one with Cavara. me, Kavara Kavara me well. with the Matoma tweet. It's just <laughs>
1: <laughs> no
3: me <laughs> with.
2: I got that. Kavara, I got that Kvarra one from 2021 as well. I'll be. I'll be rinsing the hell out of that.
1: Kvarra is a crazy show because I don't even know it's where it's you, Ruben Kazan. That's but, mental. But um, I love Ossiman But I think in terms of. Who the better fit is with this exact team, right? And who is a more guaranteed hit right off the jump? It's Harry Kane. Because I believe everywhere he goes, that's guaranteed 20 goals, especially in the Premier League minimum. But I think going long term, because how long does Harry Kane really have on his body, like the mileage that he's collected? I know recently his injuries have been a little better, but that's still that's still a risk with him. Is his game going to age going into his mid-30s? Could it be another situation like Van Persie where one year he's absolutely brilliant the next you can't keep him fit? Ossiman, I absolutely love. My one question about Ossiman is him and Rashford in the same team, does it work? Is that too much? Almost like they like the ball in front of them. They're not really going to be getting that involved in build up like a Harry Kane would. That's my one question, but I love Victor Ossiman. I'd be happy with either of them.
0: That's an interesting one. Umir, what have you got for me? Ossiman or Kane?
3: Uh... I don't, don't know. I, I I I I think I'd lean uh, You know what? I don't know. I really don't know. I think I think I'd lean towards Harry Kane, but I think if you can get Ossiman, he's like a player you, you kind of don't turn down, do you know what I mean? I still have the reservations I still have the reservations as well about like how you best get both Ossiman and Rashford working in the same team and keep both of their uh, goal output really high um, and, and and that's like that a real good. concern but I think like surely if you can get Asaman awesome, like you, you you work to, to figure something else uh, around them but like given Kane sort of I feel like he wants to leave um, and given that he's Premier League proven and he's this profile that can facilitate I think like a, a Rashford goal explosion even further then I think like Maybe signing Kane makes the most sense at this point, as long as you spend sensibly uh, in in other areas. I, mean, so I probably so I probably like just lean towards league.
1: Kane. I think you look yeah, at the security levels of United too, right? Like they're very very low. Let me tell you that right off the bat. Our most technical player is a center back. It's Lissandro Martinez. So I don't know, man. I'm not say- I- I'm not of the belief. I know some people look at Ossiman. They 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 say, oh, he's in the Syria. Is he really that good technically? Can he play with his back to goal? I don't buy all of that. I think Ossiman is actually very good with his back to goal. But I think Kane is the more technically gifted footballer.
2: Yeah, Kane, uh, Kane g- gender aside, one I'm 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 with you on that. Like uh, I'll so, put it aside for like two seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what I'm thinking is, what, what I'm thinking is with who wants the move more. So o- Osamn is in Napoli, the king of Naples, about to win the Scudetto. They've got songs named after him. They're making cakes that are like well, they've got houses. People are wearing. Oh yeah, i that. Fiber. The he, houses. He's, and, and he's got an opportunity to live like a king in uh Naples. Almost like um who's the who's the striker for Lazio? Who, who's the striker for Lazio? Uh Immobile. Yeah. Immobile. Yeah. It, almost like Chiro Immobile, where he's he's gone, he's he's left home before and got bitten badly and then he's come home again and gone, Do you know what? I'm just happy being the king of my town. He's here. he's doing the halep thing. He's yeah, doing okay. the halep thing with with it's Bate Borisov. Yeah, K- Kane, on the other hand, Kane, on the other hand, is almost like he knows that he's got one more move in him. And I almost feel like his legacy will always have that asterisk on it, that what if. And I feel like United is the perfect platform for him to show it. But has go- has Kane got anything to lose by joining United, do you think? No. Unless United finishes no. outside of the top four
1: when he comes, then it would look like, oh, it'd be like kind of like a Ronaldo oh, thing. Oh, like, man. Oh, did United get worse because of Kane?
3: Oh, I don't man. Think yeah.
0: So, so you think Kane is, is fire on Because, of course, the the number nine has been an area of contention for you guys for a while. I know Ten Hag uh, was speaking highly of uh, Anthony Martial, but it's it's hard to really speak highly of someone if they're rarely on the pitch. Yeah. Um, so, Leos, you're saying that Kane is a more surefire fit for United in the immediate?
1: Yeah, if I had to bet next season who's scoring 20 goals for United, I'm betting Kane would score, like, more certainly. But I'm looking, again, long-term... Who who do I prefer? I love Austin then, but I'm just thinking, like, who's guaranteed? It's probably Kane.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, we've got another this or that now, and um, this one's more of a, a, a generic one. I'm sure Umir's got it on this one, and I'm sure Trajista has as well, but let's go for this one. Mbappe versus Holland. In the next five years, who wins more Ballon d'Ors? Oh, that's that's a different question. Okay. That is
3: a different question to who, who you just think yeah. is better, by the way. That is Yeah, yeah I prefer I prefer yeah, this no, question.
0: Who, who wins wait so Umir, so who just out of interest, before we start this, who do you think is better?
3: Hey, my lawyer is not here <laughs> 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 oh, that,
0: that, that, that answer says a thousand words. No, because you know what,
3: like my, my, my genuine answer on the Mbappe Haaland debate is like a sixth tweet of thread. And, like, my whole point is basically that, like, people compare it to the messi Ronaldo debate uh, and say Mbappé is, like, Messi, Haaland's, like, Ronaldo in that Mbappé's far more complete, Haaland's just this goal scorer. I think that's really unfair because I think the gap between the completeness of Messi and Mbappé is, like, so far. Um, And I think, like, Haaland scores goals at a ridiculous level. I think he's one of the greatest shooters, finishers, strikers of all time already, genuinely on, on the quality of what he can do. So I think when you have a player like that and you're comparing him to Mbappe, who's elite, he's got one of the best young CVs ever as well. You can't just say Mbappe's more complete because he doesn't control the game in the second phase or whatever. He's still a final third player, primarily. He's more creative, that I would say, than Haaland. Um, but I would say Haaland is the better scorer pure scorer so I think like the completeness of Mbappe isn't enough to send him clear of Haaland and I think Haaland's goal scoring ability can be enough to bridge and 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 better uh, Mbappe's slightly more complete profile so I think that debate is a genuine debate I I don't think like for me I think Messi and Ronaldo's a non-debate um so personally I, I don't know personally I would say like I would prefer to have if you asked me if I could have one player I'd prefer to have Haaland in my team. That's what I I, personally would say.
1: say I I agree with Omir in that it's not like the Messi and Ronaldo debate. I've actually always compared Mbappe and Haaland to Henri versus Van Nistelrooy. That's the way I Mm -hmm. see it. Even in terms of like, okay, I'm not saying Mbappe is technically complete of footballers Henri, but like even their profiles, Mbappe like this inside forward off the left, Haaland like a pure box scorer. I kind of compare them more to that than Ronaldo and Messi. Me, my answer will always be Mbappe. I, I think Mbappe is the better player than Haaland. Just because, and I know this is kind of like, it can be disproven a bit, right? Because we've seen Haaland score goals at every single level wherever he's gone. So I don't want to say that Haaland is reliant on his team to get him goals, but I think intrinsically he is more reliant than Kylian Mbappe in terms of getting his own goals. Uh, and I just think Mbappe too, when you go back to feeling, right? I think Mbappe moves me more than Erling Haaland. That's not a quantifiable stat right there, but I enjoy watching him play more. Like, it gets me off my feet. Um, but the question is, who's going to win more Ballon d'Ors, Umir? And really, I think that's what makes it so interesting. Because, yeah, again, I think the Ballon d'Or has so much to do on narrative. It has so much to do on uh on teams. It has so much to do on on trophies, and trophies. At trophies at yeah. This current moment, yeah. if Mbappe is to stay at PSG and if uh, Erling Haaland is to, stay, is to stay at Manchester City, I think Erling Haaland has more chances of winning the Ballon d'Or than Kylian Mbappe does. Because I look at Erling Haaland this year could win the Ballon d'Or if he's to be top scorer and City wins the Champions League in the league, he probably wins the Ballon. D'Or oh yeah, I think Messi so as well. World Cup tax is so heavy. Which nah, I World Cup
2: tax tackle. is too heavy, man. I,
1: but but if, yeah.
3: if No, but if, if you win the Premier League and the Champions League and you get like 40 whatever goals in the Premier League, I don't think you can argue... Especially if he scores in the final. I would agree.
2: If he scores in the final, yeah, but it's, it's, it's Messi, man. The thing is with, with Messi, Messi's got, like, the whole footballing world. Like, even the Qatar yeah, before the World Cup was yeah. even done, they were, t- they were calling him the GOAT. Like, they needed this crowning. He needs this crowning moment. Like, even with the... Oh, I forgot the name. Is it Bish, you call it Bish? I forgot the, the, the name the of Bished, the probe. What do you Bished, call it again? Bished, Bished, the Bish. Yeah, that's it. Like, like he's got the whole footballing world behind him. So I feel like yeah, the Ballon d'Or might be a non-factor. But, but as for me, between let those let two over the next yeah. few years, I think yeah, it, it kind of goes back to Amir's point about, you know, I think that um Harlan, if if he can maintain like a, a a large enough gap with the goal scoring, I think that's enough to negate the kind of differences and what people would say is like all-round game and, and completeness. So I think, yeah, if, if he can maintain because the current gap, I think I think Harlan scored like twenty or a near 20 more goals than, than Mbappe this season, if I'm not, if I'm not Mbappe's mistaken. Mbappe's like
1: a poor season, though. Huh? Let's, let's, let's keep it a no, of co- No, of course, of course. I'm saying poor. if if
2: they can, if he can maintain that, like, probably won't, but I'm saying if he could maintain like that or like a similar, maybe like 10, 15 goal gap, then I think, yes, it's possible that Haaland that, that could could win more than Mbappe. And,
3: and also, me, me sorry, can you. I just say, like, like about, about the Ballon d'Or thing, if Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, like... It's ropes because, like, yeah. If if that's you're, what I was about to yeah. Watch. If you're, if you play for Real Madrid and you're like the main guy and you win, any any season you you win the the Champions League, their player, their main player is gonna be Mbappe. That that he's gonna that's win true. a Ballon d'Or, um, unless it's that's like is exactly. that Ronaldo that
2: dig? I'm I, I detecting a Ronaldo dig there. Like that that's Loki. I feel like you're I feel like you're shading Ronaldo Loki. I I never do that. What's that about?
3: I've never I'm done that. Ronaldo. Honestly, in my life, I've never done that. Though.
0: I was, I was definitely... That's the question I was going to Didn't pose, you say... Nah, nah. Ballon d'Or <laughs> Did you Ballon a good guy? Obviously, Ballon, yeah, Ballon d'Or is from French football, of course. And I was wondering how much that might play into Mbappe's favour. But of course, Ronaldo aside, I can't remember... Um, Ronaldo and Michael Owen aside, has there ever been a, a standout player in the Premier League? I almost feel like the Ballon d'Or or the FIFA Best um, Awards... I reckon they look at the Premier League and they look at England as this like rich runaway league that they don't want to give comeuppance to. And that's why I feel like mm-hmm. if you play for Real Madrid, if you play for Barcelona, you are much more marketable. As,
3: I think as, I think it's the Champions sport. League and international trophies that have, have weight just on, on like the global scale. I think like De Bruyne could have had shouts for, for Ballon if City had won any of the Champions Leagues. Like,
1: I, don't, I don't know, Umir, to be honest. I, I, I actually kind of side with you, right? Because I remember... If everyone talks, right, about how Nedved robbed Henri of the Ballon d'Or. I actually believe he had more of a shout for it than Shevchenko the next season who won the Ballon d'Or over Henri when he had an invincible season. So I kind of agree with you, Umir. I think, like, at that point, Serie A was viewed the best. At, at the last 10 years, La Liga was viewed the best. I think if City are to go deep in the Champions League and win it, and they're obviously doing this thing in the Premier League that's unprecedented, yeah, Holland can win it, bro. I agree with you. That's,
3: yeah. that's
0: an interesting way. It just doesn't, it just doesn't sound that... It doesn't ring my ears and, and the, the people at the heads of football bodies like that. It doesn't ring my ears out. The thing is, I think I think I think ha- I think ha-
3: Haaland's like the first genuine like superstar that we've had in the league for, for a while. As in like sure. when when De Bruyne came, he was a great player, but he wasn't this automatic superstar. I think ha Haaland's same his with player Salah. Same with Salah, yeah. Like with, with Haaland, like he's a player who Real Madrid were like dying for his signature. Uh, and he's yeah, come in was and was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and right. the thing is, Haaland's come in and he's delivered on those expectations, and those are expectations, he's yeah, he's exceeded. Like he he's on yeah. on par for like breaking records. He's got like six hat tricks already, um, think which about is ridiculous, too, right,
1: Umir? Think about got back to the Premier League point, right? Think of the podium last year. It was Benzema, of course, who won it, but it was Mane and Salah who sat next to him. What's uh, yeah. on Mane and Salah? Mane and De Bruyne, excuse me.
3: Yeah. Was it De Bruyne? Well,
0: so, so are we saying that? Are yeah. we saying that the next What's five the years?
1: Yeah, are De Bruyne we... I think came third on the podium, or even yeah, he was he was on the podium for sure. It was Benzema, De Bruyne, and Mane, in, in whatever order it was.
3: So it, honestly, if City like, I, I think De Bruyne's got this like reputation where it's almost irrelevant how he plays. As long as if he, as long as he's playing and City do well, he'll get plaudits. Yeah. Um, yeah. like he, he's essentially the face of Man City I think at this point now like Haaland's sort of picking up that mantle um, and and I think with his superstar like nature or whatever uh, PR like I, I can see Haaland sort of having that same sort of De Bruyne-esque like trophy individual trophy or oh.
2: so, you just uh, got that uh, knack deal that knack deal definitely that definitely means yeah. a lot because they were saying you know they they wanted that uh, face to kind of usher in this it's kind of new era, like the superstars. He's kind of like the nine, like a pure nine. That's that's kind of what they wanted, like going forward in terms of like the brand. So I think that that definitely also does. I don't know. Maybe I think it, it factors in as well.
0: So Nike have Kylian Mbappe and Holland. Uh,
2: yeah. I did I did ask you to come get their chain back, man. It's, it's what Messi and Messi. After, after Messi, who they who they got.
0: Exactly. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering now. So are we set on the idea that for the next five years <laughs> or the next five to ten years, it is Mbappe and Holland fighting for the Ballon d'Or? I mean, yeah. there could there could
2: be hey. like another player that yeah, there could, there could be. be. I, I think Vinny, Vinny. I think Vinny uh, <laughs> could could have a chance. Philip obviously. Walter, you know, Foden. Brother...
3: Philip Walter, Foden. Wait on my brother. Wait on my boy. Midfield, actually, you know what? Midfielders don't get their love like that. I can't lie.
1: They're trying to gas it up, bro. Come on, man. Next time. Nah, yeah. honestly. If we're
3: talking real completeness out of the young players, he, he's, he's the one. Hmm. We, will Wait, sorry, you're you're surgery, we will be back. post appendic surgery, we will be back.
0: You're saying Foden enters the race to challenge Holland and Mbappe for the Ballon d'Or over the next no, five years? No, Vinny can challenge them, not Foden.
1: V- Vinny
2: can tell hey, them. I'm gonna what go, Le- I'm gonna go left field and say Rodrigo. I'm gonna go left field and say Rodrigo has has, has the potential as well. I, I love I love Rodrigo. Both ways. I would I would put I would put creator, I, would put, I would put, dribbler, sack, I'd put Saka finishing. as well.
3: I'd put Saka up there as well.
0: My boy. Foden, Saka, we'll,
3: we'll,
0: we'll, Vinny. We'll, we'll wait and see on that one, but I want to hear one resounding answer from each of you panelists before we wrap it up. So, who is winning more Ballon d'Ors in the next five years? we'll start with Amir, then we'll go to Jadista, and we'll finish. I'm it. biased. So to
3: me. I'm a biased guy. In my nature, I'm a human being. So I will say Erling Haaland. But also, I believe that. If if Mbappe goes to Madrid next season though, I think it's spooky. But I would say, I would say Haaland. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm just... I'm I'm the same. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Harlem But yeah, if Mbappe goes to Madrid, like the PR that comes with playing for Madrid is 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 crazy. Like I remember they were they were even pushing Valverde Ballon d'Or. shouts. like I'm telling you now.
3: Day <laughs> like, is Faisal. John Flanagan. John, John Flanagan. John could,
2: could, nah, ESPN. I promise you, ESPN. There was a tweet and they put like the Ballon d'Or was like on the floor and I had uh, Valverde looking at it's like, oh, he's got his eyes on the prize. I'm, <laughs> oh, that's crazy! They'll they, they push if if Nacho even started in, in in a CL final this year and they won it, they'd be pushing Nacho Ballon d'Or prop. I promise. <laughs> so yeah, nah, but I'm, I'm still gonna go
3: Harlem for now.
1: Please. I think I think football has already crowned prematurely or not. I think football has already crowned Mbappe the next king of football. That's
3: true. I I'll, I'll tell you king. that's true. Yeah. And again,
1: the, the Ballon d'Or is so narrative based that I think it'll be him
0: absolutely absolutely well that was another episode of the no ratings podcast remember you can listen to all of our episodes on spotify and watch them back in full on youtube and of course there's going to be some social clips flying around of some spicy takes from some of our panelists and i'm sure you'll see them across twitter tiktok instagram and of course all socials until then that's been trajista omir Leas, and myself daniel we'll see you for the next episode of the no ratings podcast peace
2: Elias, c on get on